if you're looking for some straight-up marketing advice that's super chilled and also a bit of a laugh, then grab yourself a drink and get ready for Marketing and Margaritas, a podcast that makes marketing entertaining. Brought to you by Rebel Nation, direct from regional Queensland. Hello and welcome to Marketing and Margaritas. Today you're with Alana and Jade and we've got a special three-part series for you. This is Jade's lifeblood of marketing. It's her favorite part. It will have her office door closed for two days and jamming out hard. Marketing strategies. So... We split it up into three. Jade was prepared to do it as a one episode one, but uh, I think even I would have been a bit tired of it by the end of that. <laughs> so hopefully you get a lot out of it. Today, in this first episode, we're talking about building your foundation. Mm-hmm. So firstly, I just want to cover why we even have a strategy. So I know that there are a lot of business people who, um, and I'm not judging, but like fly by the city pants. <laughs> Um, you know, there's some people who don't do the whole planning strategy, goal setting for their business, let alone for their marketing. So I do get that for some people, this is not something that, you know, comes naturally to you. Like some of us are just planners and some of us aren't. But I think for me, having a plan, it gives you guidance. So you have an overall vision of where you're going to go and you've actually thought out you know, what it is that you want and and how you're going to get there. Um, And I've heard it likened before to, um, for example, airplanes. Mm -hmm. So when when a flight is going somewhere, they obviously know the final destination of where they're going. And over time, you know, when they're in the air, they have to course correct. It's not that, you know, because of winds and other conditions and stuff like that, it doesn't, it's not the exact route that they had planned originally, They've got to make changes and tweaks and stuff as they go, but they still land at their destination. Yeah, They still get there. So having a plan when you think about where you want to go and you think about how you could potentially get there, you're not saying this is the diehard, you know, exactly what we're going to be doing and it's going to be fucking perfect. And you have to take every single one of these steps in the right direction. Exactly. It's like anything in life. There'll be challenges and opportunities that jump up in front of you every now and then and you need to decide. And that's where you need to decide if you're going to go ahead with them. And that's where having a plan is useful because you can look at it and go, okay, I know that this is my vision. This is what I want to be doing. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Will that, you know, opportunity that's jumped up, will that help me get to where I want to go or will it actually distract me and make me go off on a tangent? So it can be a useful way to deciding what to go ahead with and what not to go. A bit of a reference point, a bit of an anchor as to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, basically. And I just think too, then, with when you have this plan, even though it's not this sort of rigid, strict thing, it does put the control back in your hands. Yeah. So rather than just feeling like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what's working, um, you know, this I've got a radio branding awareness campaign, it sounds really good, or everyone's talking about Facebook ads, it sounds amazing, I should be doing, you know, rather than just kind of being at the whim of, of what's happening around you, it's you actually making the decision. You're steering the course. Yes, we have had, well, I know of a few clients that have been approached by sales for different advertising mediums that may not suit what they Marketing meaning. people do it too, yeah. you know, SEO packages and all kinds. Like people get sold on stuff from all kinds of people. Yes, they're great, but it might not be useful to you where you are at that point in time. Mm. Okay, so your marketing strategy, that is the reason why you should have one. Mm-hmm. How do we start? So you sit down and you write it. Boom, three parts done. (laughs) Close the door for two days, like I said. (laughs) 
Okay, so the first part of building the foundation for your strategy is doing your research. Research doesn't mean like, you know, heavy, crazy, like spending hours on end. Research is basically just Googling and reading stuff. Like it's not (laughs) that hard. And you do it all the time. Like at the moment, I'm looking at buying a new dining table you know, I'm not just going to walk in somewhere, pick something up and bring it home. I'm going to measure the space. I'm going to have a look at a few options. I'm, I'm going to do some Googling and some researching. <laughs> it's the same thing. So what to research though? Firstly, you're going to research yourself. So you're going to have a review of what marketing you already have in place, how it's performing, what you like and what you hate. So you might be like, yep, I've got a website. Um, We actually get inquiries and stuff through it, so it's doing pretty well. I really hate that we don't have an About Us page or I really hate the homepage design or, you know, so there can be certain things that all fall out from there that will be useful in your strategy. Or even I've been really wanting to add a sales page, you know, or a shop function to it, like, you know, start that wish list while you're doing that review, I guess. Exactly. So that's what I do while I'm doing research. I keep like a separate notes list of any ideas and stuff that come up for me as well. You know, have a look at what's out of date and not working properly. Oh, look, we just found all of these brochures and they've got our old logo and our out of date service listing. Or our old address on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's something I need to put on the list. It's not an essential do it right now thing, but it goes into your overall strategy so that you know that you'll get to it and PS recycle those old brochures because <laughs> there's no point. I don't understand why people keep things that they need to throw It's like monitors that don't work. When I bought the business, there were like three monitors that didn't work. (laughs) Why keep them? Uh, Yes. (sighs) Anyway, sorry. I really went (laughs) off track there. You should have seen her face. I just hate it so much. We gave them to the scouts. We donated them. They pulled them all apart. They put them together. The kids love it. Yeah, but it's like the equivalent of having like three bags that you're waiting to donate to Vinnie's in the back of your car that you've driven around town for 200 kilometers. You do that? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'll take them at Vinny's, Lani. (laughs) I haven't been on my street. It's so hard some days. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, and have a look at where you think something is, you know, there might be something that you have that you really love, um, that you're doing particularly well at. What is it that you love about it? What is it that makes it do well? Um, You know, how are your clients finding you? How do you show up online? Um, how do clients learn more about you? How do they become a customer? And what is your client care um, process as well? So basically, you know, if someone Googles you and then they go to your website, how do you appear to them? If they then contact you, what happens next from their perspective? Do they wait a week before someone calls them? Are they getting an email straight away within the next 24 hours? Like, how is that process for them? Um, Because even though that is part of your, like, logistics and operations, it does affect your marketing as well. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, something I just thought of when you're doing that research, especially researching about yourself, do you often clear your caches so your search comes up fresh and not what you've been researching or Googling previously? You can do that. But sometimes when people do the clear search history, they don't actually pick the right thing. So uh-huh. I suggest instead opening, depending on what your browser is, I've seen it called in private or and incognito. incognito. So it's opening a browser window that is like a clean slate. So, oh my God, um, Karen was telling me about one of our clients got approached by a advertising agency. Yeah. 
and the advertising agency was showing them how they the advertising agency themselves shop on the first page of Google, oh. but they did it in their normal browser. So it was like, well, yes, because <laughs> you Google yourself or yeah. you go to your website all the, all the time. time. So of course you're showing up for just your computer. <laughs> hilarious um so yeah so basically well they're not wrong you came up first (laughs) yeah for them not anyone else so yeah basically when you do your google search history affects what searches come up for you so if you do an incognito one it doesn't have any of that bias to it it shows what it would just come up with generically yeah so someone was looking for you for the first time yeah basically Uh, Then you want to research your ideal customer. So this is the people um, going a bit further into those clients that we were just talking about. Have a look at your current client base and go and decide who is it that you really love working with and what is it about them that you love? You know, is it that they really appreciate and value what you do? Um, They understand all of the stuff that they need to give you so you can do the best job possible. They refer you to other people and they bring good quality leads. Like what, who is it that you like and what is it about them that you like? It's an industry you support, anything like that. Yeah. So it might be that you love working with financial advisors because they're really organized or whatever it might be. Um, You know, so it's not just enough to go, I love working with Bob. It's like, what is it about Bob that makes him a really good client for you? Looking at his demographics and and psychographics. So demographics are um, things like age, gender, socioeconomic status, whether they're married or not, homeowner status, education level, like all those kind of basic facts about them as a person. Psychographics are the way that we think and our motivations, our interests, behavior, etc. So for psychographics, it's like how would they find, how do they do research when they're looking for suppliers like you? Why did they choose to work with you? What marketing channels are they regularly on? How do they deal with you? So, you know, do they only like dealing on email? Do they like coming in and talking face to face? Like what's their preferred method of actually working with you and why do they stay with you? So quite often you'll find that the reason it's like us with our own jobs and stuff, why you started in your industry is generally not the same reason as what keeps you there. Yeah. You know, so it can be two very different answers to that question. Um, And so why someone started working with you and why they stay with you, they're both important kind of questions to ask yourself and ask them. So when I say research, I'm not saying that it just needs to be you locked in your office by yourself. (laughs) You have a phone. (laughs) It can be um, that you, you know, you, you identify who those clients are. Give them a call. And say, hey, man, I'm just, you know, looking at doing some improvements in the business. Do you have five minutes? I just want to ask you some questions. Yeah. You know, um, how did you find us originally? What made you choose us? Um, you know, all those kinds of things. Would you refer us if someone was looking for us our type of service? If so, why, why not? That kind of thing. Yeah. And the same goes for suppliers because they're a big part of your business as well. Yeah, that's a really good point too. It's like all those kind of people that are connected with you who yeah. you work with on a regular basis. And they have a different perspective too. So that's always interesting. Then we want to have a look at our competitors. And I say this in the sense of looking at who your current competitors are, like who they really are. Um, Because just because someone's in the same business or the same industry doesn't mean that they're a competitor. And I don't mean that in an arrogant sense. Um, I mean that like if you're a business owner, I'm hoping that you're picking out what I'm putting down there where it's like, you know, you might have 50 financial advisors in town 
but there might only be a few who really sort of operate the way that you do and have the same kind of clients and, and you know, offer a similar service. Like, yeah. it's like who really are the competitors for your business specifically, not just and who has clientele. that business. Yeah, because everyone will target a different clientele. So who's, to, you know, working with the same people you are Yeah, or trying to? So have a look at what marketing they're doing, what looks like it's working for them and where they're showing up online. So um, it might be that, you know, this is where social media can be really useful. You go and have a look at their channels and see, you know, are they posting, what kind of engagement and um, stuff are they getting on their posts, etc. Not saying that this is definitive kind of thing like our social media lays dead for lots of times it doesn't mean we're a bad business I would hope hope we're not we're very naughty when it comes to our own marketing (laughs) yeah but it is it's an indicator and that's what you're looking for with this research is what are the indicators about who your competitors are what are they doing and how they're marketing themselves um so that basically just getting an idea of the market which leads to my last research point, which is the market in general. So what are the trends that are happening in your industry and other relevant industry sectors that affect yours and what are upcoming and the current challenges and opportunities? So, for example, with us, we're in marketing. So Internet of Things, voice search, you know, they're the kind of things that we're trying to stay on top of. I mean, there's 50 million things we need to be on top of, but, you know, there's certain things that we need to always be looking at for how is this going to provide a challenge and or an opportunity for our business? Is this something that we could potentially be doing, you know, some training in or are coming out as, um, you know, we'll train ourselves up in it before everyone else gets into it and be the leaders in it. You know, like that's where you can start to see what those opportunities are as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you've done all that research. What's the next step? So once you've done your research and you've reviewed it all and you've pulled out all your little insight nuggets and stuff, then it's really about goal setting. So whether you have a business plan or not, hopefully you have, or at least we'll be doing in this exercise, sitting down and actually thinking about what your business goals are. So to make this easier, um, if you were to think of one or three overarching goals for your business over the next one to three years. It can't just be a blanket one, like make money. <laughs> oh, why not? That would be so. And that's, I feel like you should already be doing that. So like, t- <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing, like the more specific you are, the more, we're not saying that that means that you, um, that you need to be really specific in the sense that you really know 100% what it is you want to achieve. But it's like the more specific you are, the easier you actually make it for yourself. Because like Lani said, if you were like, make money, well, that's so broad, it's actually useless. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you're like, okay, um, I want us to increase our revenue by 10%. Yeah. Or I want to um, recruit three new people because we've just won this contract. Yeah. Or you know, what are those bigger goals? And for some people, it's easier for them to think over a longer time frame, like three years. Yeah. Some people, 12 months, you know, whatever works for you. Yeah. 12 months might scare the hell out of you for those goals. So if you put a three year on them, that might feel more attainable. And it's really surprising. So we do business planning every year and we go back and look at our goals and what we've done and um, past Jade and Lani get really good and put some details. And then future Jade and Lani like, yeah, we kicked butt. We did all these things already, which is really exciting. So having them noted down is, you know, it, it's fantastic because you get to give yourself that little pat on the back. And if you've done it before your three years is up, you're like, 
nailing it. What and can again, we do next? And that's it, man. You're setting your intentions for what you want to achieve. So then, you know, it's something that's in mind. You'd have that focus, you know what you're doing, and it gives more purpose to what you're doing in your business as Absolutely. well. And more purpose to your team too. Like who wants to be in a rudderless ship? Like that's not a fun ride for anyone. No. And if you're doing the same thing day in, day out as a team member. And like not progressing or moving forward no. or have any bigger vision to move towards. How fucking boring is that? Yeah. And if it's the boss's goal that they want to train up half the team for a new service, you know, then you've got something to look forward to, to work towards. And your team is more motivated and it's definitely a happier ship. Exactly. And if you do have anyone who's like, oh God, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be making any extra effort. You start to realize pretty soon who are the people that are with you for the long term and who are the people that may be, are not going to be with you at the end of that journey. Yeah. So once you know what your overarching business goals are, then you can have all, and again, you don't have to have them perfect and there is no right answer. Mm -hmm. It's just doing what your best guess is. And then you need to have a look at what are the marketing objectives that will support those business goals. So we don't have marketing objectives separately on their own. They actually need to align with your overall business goals because that's what gives them purpose and meaning as well. So if you're like, oh, we really want to ramp up our social media presence, why? Yeah. How is, is that, does that relate to any of your business goals? No. Then is it really something that's going to move the needle forward for your business? Probs not. Yeah. And, you know, things like, oh, we spend 10K every year on radio advertising. It's like, okay, well, what is that supporting? What messages are you putting out there? What's it aligning with that's going to progress your business forward? Exactly. And it, and that's part of that research process is having a look at what you're currently doing so you can kind of analyze, you know, when you're doing these steps afterwards. It's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Or maybe we've got this great thing. We should be using it to achieve this goal. I never put I never connected those dots before. Yeah. So, for example, if you did have a main business goal about recruiting more people, some marketing objectives that could help with that would be creating a recruitment pipeline, demonstrating your workplace culture. Um, You know, so it's really thinking about what are the things that in marketing that will help you achieve your business stuff. And it, it does overlap. Like sometimes a marketing goal might actually be, um, you know, a, a business goal sort of thing too. Like if you're launching a new product, there's a lot of marketing wrapped up in that as well. So they do sort of, that's why they work hand in hand basically. And they have to, because if your goals for marketing don't, aren't representative of your goals for your business, then that it's just, that's called, you know, that's not having a strategy. That's just being disjointed and all over the shop. But that's, that's the point of marketing is to, you know, progress your business. Yeah, your business is doing well. Yeah, which sounds common sense when we say it, but you would be surprised at the amount of people who are like, oh, hey, we just took up a billboard package. What do you think we should put on there? (laughs) Like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that's fine. That's why we're here. If you don't want to do the thinking, we'll do the thinking for you. 100%. And that is why this is a three-part episode. (laughs) There's a lot of thinking, but it's really good. And it's such an amazing exercise to do for yourself anyway. Um, Sitting down and researching and reviewing, goal setting, all of this kind of stuff is actually just really good as a chance to stop and pause and, and figure out the kind of business that you want to have and put the control back in your hands, even if it's just the illusion of control. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and to just sidestep for a slight minute, Jade doing these, these exercises would have a multiple Word documents and Excel spreadsheets open, writing multiple different lists and novels about stuff that she's thought of and seen and liked, 
me doing something like this, it's gonna look a little bit more like dot points under headings. So this can look different for everyone who does it. It's I do that sometimes. No, I know you do that sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm just saying there's different ways that people will do it. And look, even if you are a really visual person and like live on Pinterest or in Google Images, mm, and that's, that's what, really you know, you make a vision board of what these things look like for you or how you want to be represented, that's fine. There is no precise way that you have to do this we're just giving you some thinking points on where to start and how we approach it yeah this is the framework how you actually implement yeah whether it is that you actually just have a whiteboard that has this stuff listed on and that lives in your office you know, yeah exactly you know you don't have to have the multi-page document and spreadsheets like I would have <laughs> anyway moving on <laughs> all right so next we're going to get into our target market analysis so once we know what we want to achieve. So you got your three goals. We then want to outline who it is that will help us to achieve those goals. So this is a little bit more thinky than just like quite often I'll be, you know, when we're talking to people, it's like, who is your target market? Nine times out of 10, the person will come back with who their customer is. Yeah. Now that's super important. Customer profile, really necessary. However, when we look back to one of your goals, to what your goals are is that who are the who are the target markets related to your goals your customers might be one of those um target markets but you know again if we take back to that recruitment example then your current staff and potential staff Mm -hmm. are also a target market so we want to look at our from our goals then look at who are the people that are going to help us achieve that um another thing that can happen is that when, so say for example, you have a goal of you want to generate more sales. So your marketing objective to generate more sales might be that you want to find new customers. That's everybody. I just want everybody. They're going to come and buy from me and it'll be great. And I will be able to just like retire in 10 years because I'll be rich. Like we said before, the more vague you are, the whole everybody is my target market is really useless. (laughs) Unless you have unlimited time and money to market to everybody, then you actually make your life a lot easier. For example, we're a business and obviously we work with other businesses, but like, you know, every business can use marketing, but does that mean that every business is a good customer for us? No. No. Will we work with everyone? No. (laughs) We sure as hell won't. Sorry. (laughs) But that's just because we're not a good fit for everybody, just like not everybody's a good fit for us. And knowing who it is that you want to work with, who you really enjoy working with and who you know you can do really good work for, that's finding out who your target market is. So, for example, you might really love working with small family-owned businesses then that's a great market for you to try and get some new customers from. So when you have a look at those small family-owned businesses, what are what type of industries have are commonly have family-owned businesses? So there are definitely some industry types where you will find that they're smaller um, as opposed to say like um, you know like big retail or something like that. Um, yeah. Even like uh, I keep using financial advisors as an example <laughs> for this episode. I don't mean to, but 
you know, like a, a small family owned business is generally not like a big law firm or a big financial advisory firm sort of thing. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe we're looking at tr- local trades. So plumbings, electricians, like those kind of services, even yeah. um, boutique stores, maybe like some, someone that's specialized quite often too. See, already that's Lani's on the right track here. She's really thinking about where those people are and then she's cottoned on oh they're probably specialists so that's something that you can be looking for um what are the demographics of those owners what are the marketing channels you can reach them through what motivates them to purchase a product or service like yours and what are the factors in their financial decision making process so if you know that you like working with family small family-owned businesses and you've got a bunch of clients like that again this was during your research part you would have spoken to them and been like hey how did you find us and they might have been like through a recommendation why do you like working with us yeah cool it's like okay why would that person have recommended us is it that they found out about us through an article they saw in the paper did they work with us previously and we did amazing service like people say like oh we just get referrals and word of mouth referrals and word of mouth don't magically just appear (laughs) they actually are caused by something like most things in life there is an equal and opposite action for like reaction for every action so I feel really bad. I got asked this question this week. Where did you hear from us? I was in a store, a specialty store, and I'd been meaning to go into this store for like two or three years, to be honest. I just <laughs> haven't gone there. And yeah, I finally went in and she was, you know, filling out some questionnaire stuff. And she's like, oh, you know, how did you hear of us? And I'm like, oh, look, I know how important this question is, but I don't know. You know, I know mm-hmm. you've been here this long and I've been meaning to come and I know other people that have shopped here. So I guess word of mouth, but that's not really pinpointing for her. So yeah, it is interesting to get that back from clients, but understand that they may not be able to remember because like we've talked about before with branding is that it takes multiple touch points for people to remember who you are and what you do. And you think about it too, like yours was a very long purchase time. Oh yeah. So sometimes we, you know, like of going to the movies if we make, when we make that decision, then we have a fairly quick, per- we go, oh, yeah, that's the movie we want. That's the thing. And we go over our tickets, we book it in or whatever it might be. However, going to a store that you don't actually need anything from, but you want to check out, yeah. you might not be her ideal customer. No. Because you're someone who is probably like, oh, yeah, I want to go there and have a look, not oh, I need to buy this, so I'm going to find out a place, I'm going to ask friends where they bought their awesome blah, blah, so I can then go get it. Precisely. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, again, it's great that Lani still went to that store and she might have still bought something. Pretty sure my $10 over the last three years is not going to keep her store open. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where if she'd spent a lot of time and energy trying to target someone like Alana as a target market, that would have been a waste. Exactly. So if we know, if she's like, oh, actually, um, you know, say it was a homewares store, Mm-hmm. then she's wanting people who've just bought a house, who are into DIY and renovation, you know, who are those kind of people? Where do they get their recommendations and referrals from? And again, like I said, it's thinking about if someone refers you, like I know that we get a referral because like, for example, someone might've seen me speaking at a workshop or at an event and they know, oh, okay, yep, you're a marketing person who does X, Y, Z. They've never worked with me. And then they'll refer us a client. And it's this really weird thing that happens where like someone will come up to me and be like, oh, yep, so-and-so told me to come see you. And I'm like, who is that? <laughs> like, you know, they'll hurt, they'll have heard our podcast or this, like get wild oats or something and will recommend us because they remember us yeah. and what we do doesn't mean they've actually worked with us. So referrals and word of mouth definitely come from doing really good work because that's, 
you know, your previous customers can then recommend you, but it also comes from your other marketing stuff as well. Sorry, we got off on a tangent there. That's my fault. <laughs> All right. So oh, yeah, because I'm so against the tangent. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just so hate them. Yeah. All right. So next we're looking about key messages. Yeah. So once we know what it is we want to achieve and who are the people that are going to help us achieve it, then we've got to think about what is it that we need to tell them to help us to achieve that goal. Yeah. And so this is why we call it a strategy is because each piece relates to each other and you think out that process. It doesn't mean that it's hard. It just means that you tried. (laughs) (laughs) Gold star. Basically. So, you know, want to use all of your research. How does your target market find suppliers? How do they choose a supplier? Why do they stay with them? What are other people, what are your competitors doing the market? How are they positioning themselves? What's your unique position? What makes you different from others? What is your value proposition? And I know that this can be a really difficult thing for some people to to figure out. They're like, I don't actually know what my point of difference is. I don't know what makes me different. To me, that's a really big red flag. Yeah. Like if you can't tell me why someone should choose you over your competitor, competitor, then why would they? (laughs) Yeah. Like if you don't even know, how do you expect other people to make that decision? Like this is, if that comes up for you, that's a whole separate exercise, but it's really something that you need to work on. Yeah. I feel like there was one point where KFC and Red Rooster were like, all right, we do different things. Like what, what's the difference here? And because as a consumer, we make a choice, don't we? When we go to different places. Yeah. hundred percent. And there's just some things. There are some people who are diehard Red Rooster, some people who are diehard KFC, like it's, you know, and even though they kind of do the same thing, they can appeal to different people Still for different chicken, reasons. Right? Chicken and chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey man, no, KFC chips are way better <laughs> than Red Rooster chips. I'm saying that now. Red Rooster chips are too seasoned. <laughs> I can't say I've recently tested this problem. I haven't eaten the chip for like years, but I, I remember clearly. <laughs> I love hot chips. So another thing that's really common when people are trying to think about what those key messages are, you know, what the point of difference, et cetera, they have is, is that they'll say something like, we've got really good customer service. Fantastic. You've identified something that makes you different, but you can tell yourself, like a lot of people say they have good customer service. So even though that is your point of difference, you need to get a little bit more specific and you need to drill down a little bit further. So what is it about your service that makes it good? You know, what is it that you do differently to your competitors? So you could be like, okay, we've got really good customer service. Why? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if all your staff left tomorrow, heaven forbid, and you had to train new people to make sure that you're really good at customer service, what are the things that you teach them or you've got in your system or that you implement to make that service um, experience fantastic? Yeah. So it could be that actually we've got a really structured training process for our staff. So we have really consistent um, consistent good service because we've trained everybody They're really knowledgeable about our services. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or we place a lot of important on ongoing training and development. So we have catch, like I know one company who at their team meeting every week, they actually do a mini training with everyone Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, it's like what makes your customer service better? That's your point of difference. Might even be your internal culture. Like, cause that plays a big part on, you know, how people on the outside experience your business too. So Mm. yeah, we have a bunch of people who really love what they do and they're well-trained and, you know, they get a lot of personal pride. 
How much more interesting is that than we have good customer service? Yeah, 100%. Cool. So basically, oh, the other thing that's useful here too is to be selective. So there are lots of different goals, lots of different target markets, lots of things that you could be telling them. So, you know, that's why I say one to three goals, one to three objectives to support it. Um, with your target markets, you might have, again, a, a tertiary a secondary and a primary, or you might have two that are on the same footing. You know, you could have like, yeah, there's different ways you can have a look at what your target markets, who your target markets are. You might have one target market for each one of your goals, etc. But it's while there's lots of different goals and, and um, messages and things you could be telling them, it's being selective is part of being strategic. So when you are putting down your key messages, you might be like, oh, I want to tell them that we're really reliable and we've got really high quality and that we offer same-day purchasing and that's not even a thing, but uh, same-day you can buy on the same day you're there. Wow. What can collapse. People should tell people that. But you know what I mean? Like it's when there's a lot of different things you could tell them, but being selective, yeah. just choosing what are the key messages, what are the main things that you want to communicate to those people to achieve those goals. So you um, can write down, if you've got 10 ideas, write them all down. Yeah. But with your actual marketing strategy and where, like what you're going to go off for the one to three years or the one to five years plan that you're doing, you know, bring those finite goals in. Yeah. Basically make a decision. Yeah. That's a strategy. Yeah. Because if you just put down a heap of things, yeah. you're not going to do it. Or if you do do it, you're not going to do it well. Now this year we're focusing on, you know, our culture this year, we're focusing on this part of our revenue, this, you know, pinpoint it. Yeah, exactly. You can always come back and do the others next year. Cool. Okay. So the next step is working out your activities and action plan. We're going to give you a break before you get into that. That's <laughs> stay tuned for episode 39. You need a breath. You need to go and do this research first. Don't cram this all in one day. That's why we locked Jade up for two days. <laughs> oh, so now it's, it's gone from me locking myself in my office to me getting locked up in my office. Look, it's gold. It's fine. So yeah, the next one with part two will be out on the 5th of August. So we're giving you a two-week deadline to set aside some time and just have a go. This is your first time doing something like, I don't know about you, but I can't name very many things in my life that I've been super amazing, awesome, straight off the bat the first time I've done them. Most of the time I have to practice. <laughs> so just have a crack, sit down and do this for yourself. I promise you, you will not regret doing this for you and your business and for your team. It's, um, it's, I know it's marketing, but it actually is really important and it's just really useful. So on that note, that wasn't a tangent. That was a segue into, no, it was totally RC. That was a tangent. Um, my, our wrap up tip for today is to inspire and motivating yourself. So writing and using your plan is a lot easier if you write it in a way that inspires and motivates you. So rather than writing something that's really corporate and stuffy and, you know, boring, etc., have some fun with it, man. Like no one else needs to potentially ever read this except you and maybe your team. So I promise you, you'll find the whole process a lot more engaging 
if you actually put a little bit of fun into it. So like, obviously when I write marketing strategies for clients, I do write them professional, but I'd really try to put some personality and fun in there as well so that it's not boring. Like it's not going to excite you to implement a plan that bores you, you know, whereas when I write a marketing strategy for a friend, like, you know, I get really on my hoy horse and I use a little bit of swearing and it's like really (laughs) funny and stuff. But that's part of what makes that plan good as well is because when they're reading it, and they know that I've really put a lot of thought and effort into it. It means a lot to me. And I really want to engage them so that they feel just as excited and motivated as me. And it's like anything, the more excited and interested and engaged with something you are, the better outcomes you're going to have. And future you will thank you for writing this down. You'll look back on it, you know, after your year or however long and go, all right, did, how did we go? did I do any of this? Um, you know, what would I change for our next year ahead? Yeah. Um, And so just instead of writing something like, you know, you might have generate more sales. It's like, it could be that you write and said, we're going to kick ass at sales this year. Yeah. We're going to, you know, so just writing things like you don't have to swear. I know that's a me thing, but (laughs) just writing things with a little bit of fun and personality will make the whole process more fun for you, but it'll actually probably be a better strategy in the end. Okay, so may or may not be feeling a little overwhelmed from all of this episode, but we've got you covered. Um, There's a link on our website for a free download for a marketing strategy template. Um, We'll pop it in the show notes for you. Otherwise, head to rebelnation.com.au forward slash marketing strategy template, and you can download that for free because we're being very generous. As always, always (laughs) trying to give, give, give. Um, This includes some extra questions and some info to help you get started. If you do have any questions or you want to reach out or you have some thoughts, we always love to hear from you. So make sure you get in touch. We really do. That's a really big thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing and Margaritas. Find more free marketing tips, tricks and laughs at rebelnation.com.au.